Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, and welcome back. This will be for Matthew chapter 4 and the associated other gospel-related subject or chapters. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, and then Luke chapter 3 also covers the same same information. Um, So this will be about Jesus going into the wilderness to be tempted, uh, although that's not why he went. So we'll read about that here. Verse 1, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be with God. Notice that uh, it's not Joseph Smith translation tempted. He's not into the wilderness to be tempted. He's into the wilderness to be with God. In, In Luke 4, it says, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So there's quite a difference from the from the JST, and also Luke uh, supports that. Jesus spent 40 days in meditation and preparation for his mission. He communed with his Father and was fed spiritually. Bruce R. McConkie said, Surely the spiritual stature of the man Jesus was such that for 40 days the lions and wild beasts treated him as they did Daniel. Surely the visions of eternity were open to his view as they were to Paul and Joseph Smith. Surely he saw all that was seen by Enoch and Moses and Moriankimer. Surely there was purpose and preparation, refinement and testing, growth and development during this period when our Lord's body was made subject to his spirit. Fasting and prayer and pondering and visions and revelations prepare men for the ministry, and it was no different except in degree where the preparations of the Lord Jesus was concerned. It may also be that during this time the Savior received the rest of the ordinances necessary for salvation. Joseph Smith taught, If a man gets a fullness of the priesthood of God, he has to get it in the same way that Jesus Christ obtained it, and that was by keeping all the commandments and obeying all the ordinances of the house of the Lord. All righty. Um... Also, Jesus did not go into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Righteous men do not seek out temptation. He went to be with God. Probably he was visited by the Father. Without question, he received transcendent spiritual manifestations. The temptations came after he had communed with God after 40 days. The same was true in the case of Moses. He communed with God, saw the visions of eternity, and was then left unto himself to be tempted of the devil. After resisting temptation, he again communed with deity, gaining further light and revelation. So um, the fasting that is done here by mentioning Moses and Jesus is not something that we're supposed to do. Uh, They don't encourage us to fast in an extraordinary amount of time. All right, verse 2 in Matthew. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and had communed with God, he was afterward and hungered and was left to be tempted of the devil. In uh, Luke it says, And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, and Satan came Satan seeking to tempt him, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. And after forty days the devil, this is in Luke, after forty days the devil came unto him to tempt him, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended he afterwards hungered. No kidding. Back to Matthew verse 3, and when the tempter came to him, now Elder McConkie said, we must assert that this was a personal appearance, one in which the spirit Lucifer, who was cast out of heaven for rebellion, came in person and spoke to Jesus face to face. It was no mere placing of thoughts in his mind, but an open and spoken conversation. 
And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So here's the first temptation, which is of, of the physical appetite uh, of, of turning stones into bread. Verse 4, But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Living by the, every word of God is a total commitment. Put the needs of the spirit before the needs of the body. Then uh, Jesus was taken up into the holy city, and the Spirit setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple. This was the southwest or southeast corner of the temple mount, a height of about 211 feet. And again, that's not the devil that's bringing him up to the temple mount, it's the Spirit. Verse 6, Then the devil came unto him and said, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Notice in the first temptation that Jesus quotes a, a scripture um, that man should not live by bread alone. And now here, Satan, as he comes to tempt Jesus, he also quotes a scripture. Uh, to try to tempt him, to convince him that what he is asking him to do is is in in the scriptures. In Ma in uh, Luke it says, uh, "If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in his hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone." So uh, that's he's being tempted here to uh, his vanity here. Are you sure that God loves you? In other words, prove it by jumping and see if he protects you. If God truly loved me, then wouldn't he do such and such for me? If you are really there, prevent my pains and trials. The se second temptation is a misuse of divine power. Verse 7, Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So Jesus already knew that the father loved him. Uh, he didn't need to prove it by this uh, this display here. Verse 8, And again Jesus was in the Spirit, and it taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Why are we not tempted with kingdoms? Because so much less will do. Now it mentions in Luke, uh, And the Spirit taketh him up into an high mountain, and he beheld all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Notice the quickness of visions here, uh, that we don't need to see things chronologically to gather what they are, but we can see them in an instant of time here. And that may be how the prophets have visions, that these are done quickly. Back to Matthew, verse 9, And the devil came unto him again and said, All these things will I give unto thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Again, this is the third temptation and, and the fleeting glories of mortality he's tempting him with. Isn't it interesting that Satan's tempting him with something that he already had? This was already this already belonged to Jesus. Ironic. Isn't that is that the right usage of the word? In Luke it says, The devil came unto him and said, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, they are delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give them, if thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And then back to Matthew 10, uh, verse 10, it says, Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. President David O. McKay said, Nearly every temptation that comes to you and me comes in one of these forms. One, a temptation of the appetite. Two, a yielding to the pride and fashion and vanity of those alienated from the things of God. And three, a gratifying of the passion or a desire for the riches of the world or power among men. 
President Kimball said, The importance of not accommodating temptation in the least degree is under, underlined by the Savior's example. Did not he recognize the danger when he was on the mountain with his fallen brother Lucifer being sorely tempted by the master tempter? He could have opened the door and flirted with danger by saying, All right, Satan, I'll listen to your proposition. I need not succumb. I need not yield. I need not accept. But I'll listen. Christ did not so rationalize. He positively and promptly closed the discussion and commanded, Get thee hence, Satan, meaning likely, Get out of my sight. Get out of my presence. I will not listen. I will have nothing to do with you. Then we read, the devil leaveth him. Could Jesus have given in to the temptation? Could he have actually succumbed to it? Elder McConkie said, in accordance with the eternal laws of free agency, he could have succumbed to temptation. He could have lost his own soul and failed in his divinely appointed mission. That he remained true to his trust, that he was faithful and obedient to the whole law, made him the great exemplar, the light of the world, who could say to all men, follow thou me. James E. Faust said, We need not become paralyzed with fear of Satan's power. He can have no power over us unless we permit it. He is really a coward, and if we stand firm, he will retreat. The Apostle James counseled, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He cannot know your, our thoughts unless we speak them, and Nephi states that he has no power over the hearts of people who are righteous. Back to Matthew, verse 11, Then the devil leaveth him... Was this the end of his temptations? No, he was tested throughout his life, as we are. As Luke says, Ye are they which have committed, have continued with me in my temptations. No man knows how bad he is. This is C.S. Lewis quote. No man knows how bad he is till he has tried very hard to be good. A silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of an army by fighting against it, not by giving in. You find out the strength of a wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. That is why bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. And that was from uh, Mere Christianity. All mortals may, as we travel through this wilderness of life, follow his example and do the same. Fill ourselves daily, especially with scripture study and prayer, so that when the temptations come, as they inevitably will, they will have no power to overcome us, because we are, like our exemplar, filled with the Spirit. That was from verse by verse by Ogden and Skinner. Uh, verse 12, And now when Jesus knew that John was cast into prison, and he sent angels, and behold, they came and ministered unto him, and Jesus departed into Galilee. And so uh, because of uh, John's imprisonment, then, and Jesus finds out about that, he sends angels to John to be with him while he's in prison. Verse 13, And leaving Nazareth in Zebulon, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the, upon the seacoast, in the borders of Naphtalim. Now remember that this is on the Sea of Galilee. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Esaias the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtalim, in the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw a great light. And to them that sat in the region and shadow of death, light has sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or has come. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. 
And he said unto them, I am he of whom it is written by the prophets, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they, believing on his words, left their nets, and straightway followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other he saw other two brethren, James and John, his brother, the sons of Zebedee, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left their father in the ship and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people which believed on his name. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those who were possessed with devils, and those who were lunatic, and those who had the palsy or paralysis, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, and Jerusalem, and Judea, and beyond Jordan. So that's the end of chapter 4, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.